the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, we do so as we do every Wednesday with our Congressman, David Schweikert. I am delighted he is able to join us every Wednesday, as I am delighted he is representing me every day. David, how are you, sir? Uh, I am fine. And to your audience, if there's some strange sound, I have a 14-week-old sitting in my lap. I love it. And he is actually... um, He's ticklish. He's like he's just giggling his heart out. I, I love the story of that 14-month-old. That's great. We, we love those noises. Week. We love week. it. Love it. David, I wanted to ask you something because I'm, I'm, I've been focusing on a thread here. I don't know if you're seeing it when you're in Washington uh, as much as when you're outside of Washington. I guess I guess I would set it up this way. When I was when I used to live in Washington, we would say it's the most political city because it is. But in many respects, the least political city in that, you know, you could have people from different sides of the aisle and different political perspectives, you know, mingling about uh, going to different events uh, together. There was a cordiality to it all. I am now seeing something different. I wonder if it's true in D.C. as well. There's this ongoing steady stream of columnists and ex-public office holders saying things like, well, let me quote Jimmy Carter today, if I might, former President Jimmy Carter. He says, if you cast votes for Republicans, it will pave the way for an anti-democratic takeover of our country. Without immediate action, we are at risk of losing our precious democracy. It's this notion that to vote for a Republican is to be anti-democratic, small d, democratic. I'm not sure if you're picking up on that as much as I am yeah. outside the Beltway. Well, is that true in the well, Beltway, too? I, Go ahead. You know where I am. Yeah. yeah. I think you're mixing also two different things going on. Okay. Um, let's, first, let's first deal with, um, uh, and let's be brutal here. Okay. Um, you know, you're, you're single, and let's say my wife tried to fix you up with someone. Okay. But she was smart, bright, but a raving leftist. Okay. Would that be a date you'd really want? Um, interesting question. Okay. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm not being a jerk. What I'm basically saying is I see this even with my staff, you know, who are mostly conservative, but I never ask, down to in Washington where now you have certain restaurants or certain things that are only Republican or only Democrat. And... Now, it's the social media effect yeah. of politics yeah. where you're seen with the wrong person. You will be punished. Um, for a, a few years here, I had worked with a liberal member, but not crazy, um, fellow member of the Ways and Means Committee. He was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. But there's a number of bills that are just technical. Mm-hmm. Today, he won't sponsor a bill with me uh-huh. because if he does, he gets the crap kicked out of him by his sort of radicalized left. You uh-huh. can't work with Schweiker. He's a right winger. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now take that to the whole discussion of whatever the cause today. So today the, the, the left attacks Democrats on elections. Tomorrow it will be on abortions. Next day it will be 
something else. It will be the constantly evolving attack. But the base comes down to it's no longer Tip O'Neill's time, or even even um, uh, Bill Clinton, where there was an attempt to come together and work together. You raise money on vilifying the opposition. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think the polarization continues as long as social media, and that's the way you raise your political money. I I will agree with you, but can I add to it that it's not just social media, but it's also cable news television as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And maybe that's folded into it. Yeah, maybe folded into social media in a sense. I have a quote from an MSNBC host saying it's terrifying, quote, it's terrifying how many Americans will choose literal fascism, female serfdivism, climate collapse and the reversal of everything from Social Security and Medicare to student low relief because they think giving Republicans uh, power is a good idea. Um, boy, that's that's an awful lot to wage to wage a political campaign against. <laughs> that's a that's an awful no, lot. No, no, no. But 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 this is how they feel. You know, it's not based in any facts, but um, but if you're but it didn't used to be broadcast. That that yes, I get. I, I think that's fair, David. That is how they feel. But they didn't used to air it. Um, they didn't well, used no, to. No. Go ahead. You're not being you're not being cynical enough. Okay. And I'm sorry. You, I know you hate it when I say that. It's all right. But um, for many of these folks, I'm not sure what their actual political philosophy is. Uh, they have to say crazy things like this to keep their radicalized viewers, their left wing viewers, watching, so they get a paycheck. Um, I mean, the reality. Okay, uh, the simple experiment: if MSNBC tomorrow said, you know, maybe Trump wasn't such a bad... I mean, yeah, I didn't like his tweets, but look at the economy we had. Hey, look what Republicans did with that tax reform. We said it was going to bankrupt the world. It turned out it was created economic growth and lifted millions of people out of poverty, not only in the country, but around the world. Okay, MSNBC says that. How many seconds later do they lose their audience? I get that, and part of me wants to say, without thinking it through, deserved. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there shouldn't be an audience for that. I mean, part of me wants to say that because, you know, when we keep hearing about polarization, I've I, I always thought polarization was kind of a phony issue. Quite honestly, I don't know that it is anymore. But I think it's stoked not by the Republicans and Democrats as much as by the media. Um, though, though I would have to also probably alter that too. I think I think the Democrats do stoke an awful stoke an awful lot of it with their deployment of words like fascism. Of course, but but it's still um, hate, polarization, whatever you want to call it, is a business model. Okay, okay. You gotta understand it's a business model. Okay. Fox News, MSNBC, it's a business model. Now, I actually agree with when I'm watching Fox, most of what I'm seeing, I agree with. But it's still a business model. Our, down to even our local newspaper, they have how many free market conservative editorialists? One. Uh, you know, compared, it's a business model. Their yeah. audience now is predominantly left-wing. They must provide reaffirmation to their left-wing audience. It's the same thing with talk radio, you know, the blogs you look at. So because you and I get most of our news from that supercomputer you carry around in your pocket called a phone, 
we choose to go where we trust it. Yeah. But it also sort of um, says the things we think we already know. Do we do um, ha, have we moved past a point, though? I'm not sure if you're familiar with Adam Carolla, but he has a podcast. Oh, yeah. OK, so he has a podcast addressing some of this the other day where he said in acknowledging, yes, you have your MSNBCs, you have your Foxes, but one of them has a record. One of them has a record of were they right? Um, were they accurate? Yeah. Uh, have we moved past a place where that even matters anymore? I wonder. OK. Brilliant question. Um, I got functionally assaulted um, a few days ago by one of my environmental left-wing stalkers. And this woman, it's funny thing, she has great, has some real wealth. Um, And her hobby is basically attacking Republicans. And she's going at me in a parking lot. Oh, no. And I stop her for one second. Because I, I recognized a couple of things she was saying about, you know, the ice caps melting, this and that. And I stopped her and said, that was from, wasn't that from Al Gore's yeah. movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, okay, now Al Gore's movie now is what, 14 it, it, years it, it, ago? I was going to say 15 or 16. Yeah, I was going to, yeah, more than a decade old. Yeah, sure. And, and, and I started to walk her through all the predictions I could remember in that movie. And not one of them. Not one of them came true. Yeah. Okay. And it just enraged her. And her, her parting comment was, stop trying to talk to me about facts. This is happening. This is what I feel. And then she realized what she said, and she looked at me and marched away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happens, and there's a guy named Greg Patterson in town who's left-handed and freaky smart. But years ago, he was, in one of his columns, he made a thing, the most powerful thing you can do to the left, just hold them by their own standards. Yeah, sure. Here's what they said would happen. Okay. We happen to have these things called computers. We can look it up. Here's what you said would happen to the environment 16 years ago, Al Gore. What actually happened? Here's what you said would actually happen. And I have found the most powerful thing I can do to stop some of the insanity when I'm getting attacked by leftists is just hold them to their own record. We're living it right now. How many of the left just a year ago were demanding defunding the police? Yeah, right. Law enforcement is racist, right. this and that. Mm-hmm. Well, then it turns out the crushing <laughs> violence yeah. of crime has been crushing the very minority communities that they pretended they were defending. Um, and so you have rich white liberals living in their gated communities and their secure houses, basically putting poor neighborhoods out to just to just a dystopian violence. It and is. And then you see the Democrats going, oh, God, we didn't really say that. Yes, she did. Yeah, it is a victory of political sorts. It doesn't matter much to the facts on the ground, but it is a political victory of some sort that they are trying to, we say, memory hole that or, or erase their history on that uh, or revise <laughs> it, right? That when they when they distort... Uh, for example, Mark Kelly bragging about how strong on the border he is over the last two months. Um, when they distort and they distort it in our direction, there is a victory of sorts in that, isn't there? Uh, uh, of well, some there's kind. Only, there's only no, no. Um, you can say it again. You can say it again. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> no, the only victory there is is if voters and the public truly remember. They're the ones who brought the misery to us. Yeah. 
yeah. the last functionally 18 months. If let's say you were a Democrat voter, let's say you didn't like Trump, you, you were angry at Republicans, fine. Okay, you get to have that feeling. Give me a single, a single thing the left has done with absolute power. They control the House, they control the Senate, they control the presidency. What have they done to make working people's lives better, the yeah. poor better, yeah. to, to make our communities safer, more prosperous? I mean, you, you go everything from you see the new education numbers to how much of our population doubled obesity during the shutdown. You know, yeah. I mean, if you go through almost every metric, food insecurity, inflation, um, savings, everything. I cannot find a single metric that the left actually made people's lives better. Go to the previous two years with unified, when, when you had unified Republican policy moving through the system. Prosperity, food insecurity, um, the wealth of the poor, other things, everything. I mean, in, in, income inequality shrank by its fastest rates in modern history. You as a leftist may hate Republicans, damn it, what we did for American people and poor people and those, we accomplished something. You've made their lives worse. That's the message, man. That's it. That's perfect. That's perfect, David. I, I can't improve on that. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let it I'm gonna let it end there and let you return to your your fourteen month year old um no, fourteen week. Week, 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 week year old. Why do I keep? Why do I keep making him older? The lisping babe that, that prattles on your lap, as Lincoln called him. The lisping babe that prattles on. He your is lap. on my lap, drooling, and he's power drooling right now. So, fourteen. And today was a big day. Today was the first day he's ever rolled over. So. Fantastic. That is a big day. Congrats. Go take care of that kiddo for us, David. Thank you. Bless right. you, and Goodbye. then take care of the rest of us. When you uh, when you are done, I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As inflation rises and your dollars are stretched thinner and thinner, more people are considering a reverse mortgage. I'd like to showcase Bingo Reverse Mortgage and share how their trusted team can take the guesswork out of it all and the benefits you could re- you could reap. Bottom line, a reverse mortgage allows you to convert equity in your home into cash or to the purchase of a home. To qualify, you must be a homeowner at least 55 years old and have sufficient equity in your home. A reverse mortgage can be your ace in the hole when it comes to actually retiring instead of thinking or dreaming of retirement. The fact is, most Americans won't be able to retire. Bingo Reverse Mortgage is saving the American retirement. Get the safety net you deserve and call the incredible Bingo team at 928-277-4476. That's 928-277-4476. Or visit Bingo Reverse mortgage.com. Tell them I sent you and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a $1,000 value. BingoReverseMortgage.com. Veteran-owned and veteran-staffed. Yeah, um, something uh, David said and something my producer Bill and I were talking about off-air got me thinking about documentaries. I have a lot of friends that like watching documentaries, like showing their children documentaries, which can be a good thing. But in and of themselves also require you to do your homework. You've, I guess, heard me reference the last couple of days a Joe McCarthy 
documentary I recently saw. It came out about a year ago, but uh, I, I just recently saw it, I guess, over the weekend. And um, as good as it was, I mean, the production value and the effects of what you think you're getting looked how shall I say, uh, non-biased and really a good documentary. And it wasn't. Uh, For those that knew a little something about it, it eliminated a lot of interesting things, particularly uh, hits on the Kennedy family, which should have been part and parcel of it, as the Kennedy family was part and parcel of Joe McCarthy's uh, professional and personal uh, career and life. Um, Bill and I were talking about uh, the Lincoln Project documentary, which I think is off of Showtime, and what a uh, what a whitewash that did with this uh, this uh, six part series on the Lincoln Project. You know these quote unquote Republican consultants who uh, congregated an effort to defeat uh, Donald Trump in 2020, and uh, how it just it whitewashed a lot of the corruption in there, a lot of the self dealing, a lot of the unwelcomement of themselves, a lot of the dis extraction of the money that was meant to go to campaigns to their own pockets. Um, There was, of course, then also the ignored until very light mention at the very end, the sexual harassment and abuse um, that took place uh, amongst young people uh, by older males, young men by older males. And and, and just a lot of that stuff, as as good as you think it might have been, it it wasn't. And this is increasingly true of a lot of documentaries. They're as partisan as anything you'd get on MSNBC, it turns out. So you got to – what made me think of it was a post Steve Hayward has over at Powerline on uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, This week is the 60th anniversary of that, you know, the, uh, the missiles of October 60 years ago. And uh, just a lot of what the documentaries on that and the specials on that are leaving out and adding in that isn't exactly fact, but does go towards building or helping reestablish and uh, reimplant uh, the Kennedy mystique, while also, by the way, diminishing the uh, the nefariousness of uh, not only the Soviet Union, uh, but also Cuba. Anyway, uh, check out what uh, Steve says on it uh, over at Powerline if if that is of interest to you. You know, once we change history, we've changed everything, which is why the left is going after it and which is why Marx taught them to. Uh, Karl Marx said uh, in his uh, notes on Feuerbach, he said the purpose of the philosopher was to interpret history. Ours is to change it. You didn't think you could change history. You can. I'm Seth Liebson. Well, Well, just look at the 1619 Project. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It is a delight and privilege to welcome to the show Eric Twist. He is the principal partner and president of Arcadia Education. Eric and I have collaborated on a few things over the years. One of the smartest people in education and education reform uh, that I know. And no one I could think of better to talk to us about some of the stuff I've been wailing about for the past few days that we learned from our most recent iteration of our nation's report card. Eric, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being with us. Seth, great to be here. Tell the audience uh, just a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Arcadia Education, if you don't mind. Any autobiography you would like. Oh, well, uh, uh, born and raised in Arizona, you know, I think uh, third or fourth generation. I have to kind of think that through, but... uh, 
Um, uh, love, love this state. Uh, as you know, Seth, for the last uh, 15 years before starting Arcadia Education, I was with Greatheart. Mm-hmm. Um, last five of those uh, as its president here in Arizona. And, and um, uh, so, you know, through that, through that time, learned a lot of lessons, but mostly been making uh, a fair amount of mistakes, I'll be honest. But you learn, you learn great Failure's lessons. Failure is the best teacher. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. right. Yes. So we've essentially started uh, a firm that uh, is, is really built on, on this premise, that the ed reform movement in the country has so much energy right now mm-hmm. because uh, uh, so much of it is reclaiming uh, for uh, parents and for students a, a, a view of the human person that's been missing, a high view, right? One that, that's centered in its dignity and, and its agency. That's been missing uh, in the broader sort of public education landscape for, for well, for many generations. And so uh, these schools are uh, more attractive than ever, I would say even post-pandemic, uh, to parents of all political stripes, by the way, uh, because they have uh, a, a, a beautiful vision and mission for what they're bringing into education. And this, this you know, has many different varieties, from the classical school movement to the uh, back-to-basics movement, the traditionalist movement, even the vocational school mm-hmm. movement that we're seeing. Certainly, uh, uh, you know, the, there, there's new vitality in the in the Christian and Catholic school movement, um, and and so they they are chock full of vision and mission. But uh, like like so many places that uh, sometimes they can struggle on the operational side, sure. the business acumen, sure. you know, consistently uh, executing on the tedious stuff, you yeah. know, the the things that that a lot of people don't get into education to to think about or to be great at, and so that's really where we come in, seeing and, around uh, those corners, again, yeah, the, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so helping the best schools in the country really, really operate well is what Arcadia Education is all about. Well, I'm gonna. I want to talk a little bit more about that in 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 the larger public policy sense uh, in a moment. But let me uh, let me work my way there this way. You feel free to disagree with anything I I say. You're of course the expert, Eric. But you know, probably the most famous education report since. Why Johnny Can't Read out of Columbia was the Nation at Risk report in 1983. And the famous line out of that report was that we, our, our American education was facing a rising tide of mediocrity. Boy, I look at these NAEP scores that came out this week and the ones that they were on top of from the scores before, Nation's Report Card National, National Assessment of Education Progress. I don't think it's a rising tide of mediocrity anymore. If it's not too harsh, Eric, I think it's becoming a steady ebb of a failure. Um, am I wrong, or what did you take from this latest iteration of the NAEP reports? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, listen to that. Anybody that looks at the most recent NAEP data and is surprised by it has not been paying attention. Okay. I mean, all, all we've really seen uh, over the last couple of years is an acceleration of what was already a decline. And, and, and that's something that I, I think, again, um, reformers have been kind of banging that drum here for many generations. And it's not to say, listen, we have bright spots, um, and, and the data shows some of yeah. those bright spots. But yeah. I, think, I think that um, uh, what, what, what we're looking at now post-pandemic uh, certainly is, is tragic. But uh, Seth, any, anybody that is surprised by that, again, hasn't understood that we really haven't solved the problem that was articulated clearly uh, back in the early 80s. Uh, let me take a quick commercial break, Eric. It's a big subject. I want to not have to cut you off if we get into it. So let's talk about what works 
and how to replicate what works because you're abs- when we come back because you're absolutely right there are schools we we'd like to think they aren't just asterisks and footnotes to the general narrative but there are schools that are doing it not only well but really well and you would think that the task then would be to simply replicate and emulate that across the field of elementary and secondary education that we don't with increasing amount of money going into the system and decreasing output and result is a real disconnect. And I'm wondering if maybe on the other side of this commercial break, you can help us figure out where that disconnect is and how we can rewire ourselves. I'm Seth Liebson. He is Eric Twist. He is the principal partner and president at Arcadia Education. Learn more about them at ArcadiaEd.com, ArcadiaED.com. I'm Seth. He's Eric, and we'll both be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. Our guest, our guest is Eric Twist. He's the managing partner and president at Arcadia Education. ArcadiaED.com is the website. We're talking about uh, Education America in light of this week's uh, uh, Nation's Report Card, or what's known as NAEP, uh, in, the, uh, in the parlance of the professionals. Eric, yeah, as we were saying, there are great schools uh, in this state and in this country um, I don't know if it's fair to say they tend to be um, the exceptions, but there aren't enough of them. Let me let me at least lay that groundwork, because at the end of the day, I, I like to think we know what works in education. Why the disconnect? Why can't every school be a great school? Or what is it that 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 the schools that aren't doing as well as the good ones are missing? Um, what are the secrets to uh, what are the secrets to having a great school? What are the secrets to lifting our NAEP results? I know that's a lot, but that's why we pay you the big bucks. Uh, well, I, you know, I think we've, we've talked about this before. Any time you, you go into any work, you have to have the end in mind. Okay. And when you think about the best schools, Seth, they've thought deeply about what it means to be a flourishing human being, and they're solving for that within their schools. All, all, all this ridiculousness about just uh, uh, preparing kids for the test or, you know, college and career, whatever, whatever ultimately that means. I mean, you know, th- those are low bars. Yeah. When you think about the best schools, these are the schools that have thought that they have a deep anthropology. They've the human person. They're solving for all the nuances and complexities of that. So if you going back to the NAEP scores, you know, if you think about schools uh, that, that have traditionally um, uh, 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 you know, approached education from truly a holistic anthropological uh, foundation. You know, think about, let, let's just call out the Catholic schools uh, for a second here. If the Catholic schools Seth, were their own state, they would be the uh, highest performing state in the nation. Interesting. Um, and that, that doesn't mean that every Catholic school uh, is is perfect, but I tell you, on the whole, they have a vision of education. It's a different view of education, um, right, right. It's, right. it's a very different view of it, but, but it's a, because it's a very different, and I would say uh, it's a more beautiful view of the dignity of the human person and what is possible for that human person and what it takes to create great men and women. Mm-hmm. And you look at the, the charter market, you know, you've got schools like Great Hearts, you've got uh, lots of schools across the country, uh, that are, again, trying to reclaim uh, a, a deeper and, and, let's say, deeper and a higher sense 
uh, again, of what it, what it means to be a happy and healthy uh, adult. And so they're not just doing great, rigorous academics. They do that. Um, but they're thinking about moral formation. They're thinking about keeping uh, their classrooms and their school cultures writ large uh, to be places that are free of the noise of politics, free of the noise of popular culture, free of all the things that are trying to grab our kids' attention. And they're creating sort of sanctuaries away from that noise. And there aren't enough leaders in the education space that are standing up for the culture of their academy mm. and taking those seriously. They're, they're obsessed with, you know, money and tests and those things. And yet that obsession is not leading to the results that parents want. So this is why you see uh, the best schools uh, having, having wait lists and growing wait lists. And, yep. and I'll, I'll tell you this, the Catholic schools, uh, just to go back to them, um, have grown for the first time in, I think, two generations over the last two years. Oh, no kidding. Uh, you know, uh, okay. it, it, it's remarkable. You think about what's happening in uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago, in, in, in Boston, um, in, in little pockets, I think, in, in Denver and, and, and other places, all of, all of whom Arcadia Education has been uh, supporting of late. Um, they they are they're growing again. You know, that's so interesting. There was a time I know Boston fairly well. There was a time when you couldn't meet a young professor or any professional that didn't go through Catholic education in if they were in Boston. And then that became few and far between. And now we're, I guess, relearning the kinds of things we did. We we that we do that in America, don't we? We we succeed. We move on and forget. And then we have to go back and reclaim. we do that in our own lives. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just uh, it's a typical story. But, but there's energy, again, in these places. And, and moms and dads are waking up to that, you know, especially having seen what they've seen by watching uh, their, um, their schools teach online. They got an inside view. How bad was that, like Eric? How, how bad was the Zoom learning uh, or the Zoom teaching or the Zoom effort at teaching and learning? How bad was that? Bad. It, it's and you can see it. You can see it in the data. I mean, uh, uh, Luke Rosiak put out a great piece today. I think it was on the Daily Wire. Uh, that's got really important scatterplot data that shows that the longer states kept their schools closed and therefore, you know, ostensibly kept their students learning online, the worse that they did on our nation's yeah. report card. Yeah. Um, and the and the ones that stayed open that prioritized in-person learning, right? Which again is is built upon an understanding of. The, the human person, yeah. right? We, we are social animals. We need to be in proximity and with one another, and learning is best in person. And, and so you see the states that prioritize that. You see the school systems that prioritize that. And they did better, Seth, than the ones that thought, oh, we could just we could do this all digitally uh, and it'll be fine. It's not true. I um I was always fascinated with the work of someone you may or may not know of shares your first name out of uh, Stanford uh, Eric Hanischek on teacher quality and the work he 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 was doing on how important the quality of the teacher is but it's also true too isn't it Eric again you tell me where I'm wrong the principal matters more than a lot of people think about too doesn't the principal the principal of the school the really is much more important than a lot of people have thought about for a long time oh for sure well teachers will tell you they think about it all the time yeah sure you know? and, and are they supported or not right yeah yeah well yeah and and listen the the culture of a school is always downstream of its leadership yep yep um it's like any good organization yep. right and and to so, know actually there and, and you know this that there is a deficit of, of great leadership not not just in education but across industry mm-hmm. uh, today um but I, I i i will say yeah the the principal plays such a vital role but but 
right alongside that, I mean, the heart of a school is its faculty. In fact, I, I like the John Senior quote: uh, "A school is a faculty." Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, that is. Um, and I think that's absolutely true. The other thing I wanted to run by you too, Eric, um, is I used to think of the mark of a great school as being how welcoming of parental input it was. Is that still true? Well, uh, this is another thing that binds the great schools together, is that they have not lost the understanding that mom and dad are the primary educators of their kids. Yeah. And the, the proper role that a school plays is one in partnership with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. They, 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 don't, they don't take this idea of, you know, you, this gets thrown around in loco parentis, you know, in the, in the place of the parent. That, that, you know, there's this sentiment out there that teachers know better than, than mom and dad, many of whom, uh, by the way, have not yet had their own children. That's uh, right. When you think about the larger, you know, mom and, mom and dad, care more than most teachers will ever fully understand. You, you know, yeah, you cannot pay children. a parent enough to be, I mean, that's right. Uh, the parent is the child's first all and, and and so, important dispensable teacher. And so great schools partner with mom and dad yeah. and, and make a promise to them that, that, that mom and dad will be able to pick their kids up at the end of the day better than mom and dad drop them off. Which was and, a warning sign so to me when we saw this nonsense, I, I would call it nonsense, about the, these aren't the parents' kids, they're the school's kids. I, I thought that was a huge warning right along nonsense. those lines. Yeah? You agree with that? It, it, well, it, nonsense is probably being, being charitable. Okay, good. good. Um, I mean, it's, down, it, 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 it's downright evil, okay. right? And this idea, this pernicious idea uh, that uh, the, the state you know, sort of these, these big box factory farm bureaucratic institutions uh, are uh, the places that we should be entrusting the formation of the hearts and minds uh, of our children. Um, you know, that type of talk is the thing that that's what you hear uh, in institutions and in, in, uh, in regimes uh, that do great harm yeah. <laughs> to society. Yeah. Um, and and so it's something that uh, I would say the education sector should discard immediately uh, and get back to being true partners with mom and dad. Nicely put, Eric Twist. Uh, congratulations on your latest venture here with Arcadia Education. Again, folks, ArcadiaED.com if you want to learn more about Eric or what that organization is doing. Eric, uh, I'm going to keep you close by. We're going to have a lot more discussions on this as we go forward, sir. I hope that's okay. Always good to talk to you, Seth. Thanks. Thank you. I am Seth Liebson. We will be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends and sponsors at Y-Refi. If you are looking for a great investment opportunity with no correlation to the stock market, which does its own ebbs and flows, check out Y-Refi. It's an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. And those investments can be individual, joint, IRA, or trust. A due diligence approved firm, Why Refi, is made up of really great guys who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R E F Y.com, or give them a call at 855 316 3087. 855 316 3087. Never a sales pitch. This issue of education is one I think we're going to have to spend more and more time on, not just because of how low the scores are, 
and not just because of the disparity now that we see with the racial gaps, um, many of which were exacerbated by the school shutdowns during COVID, but many of which existed before. It's not as if we were all great hearts and basis schools and Thomas Jefferson High School and New Trier High School before the pandemic. We weren't. We were a rising tide of mediocrity, but we have moved into a state of decline. And the point is we don't have to. We do know what works in education, and racial disparities were not always present in our education. Um, think about what maybe the re-racialization has meant for that. Uh, the re-racialization of our children has meant to and caused some of that. Think about the war on parents and the using of children to soothe the anxieties of adults rather than what Eric was saying Think of thinking of them as human beings and individuals in their own right. The abuse and misuse of children for adults' purposes. Hannah Arendt warned about this in the 1950s. We should not be using children and their playgrounds to play out the political games of adults. Get back to basics. They still work. They still matter. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 